listening to Street for Brengen. Ruben, we had a lot of really interesting responses to our last podcast. And uh, there was a particular statement that you made that uh, I got multiple comments about. But you made a statement and a claim that a person... A person should every day or at least every week ask themselves if they want to be from with an MS that if they that they really have a choice to be from to not be from and to really be able to, you know, go to the table saying that being from is my choice and is my responsibility to take ownership of. And the reason why that obviously, and at the time, I I also pushed back a little bit, but I think that needs to be clarified more because one of the discussions that I had um, this past Shabbos with someone who uh, commented on this uh, idea was the fact that, well, what if somebody really chooses not to be from then? You know, are you ready to take on that achrayas? Are you really ready to say that that's what every person should do, no matter what the outcome and I think we need to flush this out a little bit more, Ruben. My first visceral reaction is, how dull and boring is that question? You know why? <laughs> I'm going to tell you why. First of all, we're not talking to, to children of nine years old. We're talking to an adult audience. Number two is if Ruben Flamer on a podcast says that you should go and ask yourself, do you want to be from... No one's going to pin on me that the next day they decided all of a sudden to become fry. Okay, that's number one. But it does show where, what does it mean, Galus Panimi in Avodah Hashem? That itself, the question itself shows that. And I'll, I'll explain what I mean. Are you so afraid to find out where you're holding? All I'm saying, really, and it's not me, it's a pusik. It's Chumash. I'm not, I'm not making this up. Are you so afraid to find out and look at yourself in the mirror that for the last 25 years, you're bored stiff with what you're doing and you really do want to fry out? The asking the question is power that gives you the ability not to fry out. And I have to say, I also thought a lot about the question after the podcast and I came to agree. <laughs> and uh, I, I really do see it now as being a crucial um, part of Avoida or part of a person's process of taking proper responsibility and ownership over their life. And what I think is what I think is interesting and what we really need to flush out is, you know, the Rebbe Shita, and this was one of the claims that was made when we were talking about it, was, you know, the Rebbe Shita seemed to be so much about, you know, you do it. You know, regardless, you know, as long you just keep on doing the action and then eventually you're going to feel feel it. You know, you don't do it lishma to start off and you're eventually going to get there. And here we're saying, you know, if you don't feel it, you know, if that risk is there and you end up going off, they deserve it, so to speak. Or whatever, however you want to phrase it. What do, what do you respond to that? Zachariah, I want you to answer me this question. The person that asked you that question, and by the way, if you're listening, I apologize. And I don't mean anything wrong about it. The person who asked you that question, how old are they? In their 30s. Okay, sir. 30 years old. 
So for 30 years, they've been following this shita that, that in the name of the Rebbe, to just keep on pushing, even though you're holding from a state of boredom and a state of disassociation with who you really are. What about all the other statements of the Lubavitcher Rebbe that you supposedly embrace? Why are you embracing the lowest common denominator when the Rebbe, of course, says when you're holding by a state of boredom and a state of I'm not really interested and I don't want to get up to Daven in the morning. You get up because you're a soldier. Of course. But where's your power to get up differently? And how come you're not willing to say, because you learn Hasidus, right, Mr. 30-year-old? And in Hasidus it says you have a godly soul and your animal soul has been taught by your godly soul because you meditate every day that God is wonderful and life is wonderful and life is God. So I want to celebrate and I want to Daven. So every time I Daven, I am in a state of ecstasy. What about those statements? Why are you pointing yourself? You know what? What is your expression you like to use? I'm sorry if it's not supposed to be public. Um, it goes something like, Galdus uh, uh, Pansies. In, what is it? How do you, how do you say it? Close house? enough. No, 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 no. Let me hear it. What is it? Pansies. Stop being a chocolate with your Yiddishkeit. You're more powerful than that. I don't understand why, after 50 years, 60 years, the Rebbe did what he did, and people are still acting like they're crippled spiritually and they have nowhere to go. And I understand we're not perfect and we're going to stumble, but we have nowhere to go and we're going to have to save ourselves from the pits of hell and not say, how come not holding where I'm supposed to? And by the way, isn't that what we do on Rosh Hashanah? Why do you have to makabal all malchus all over again? Come on, wake up and play the game. And I think, I think it also has a lot to Sorry do. Sorry for screaming. <laughs> you never have to apologize for screaming. Hello, the last podcast, I sound like a banshee. Go on. <laughs> well, what I was going to say is that I, I also think it happens to be a lot of distortions of very fundamental ideas of Kabbalah soul for the person who said it over Shabbos, but, but just generally speaking, a lot of those ideas are used in order to really, like you're saying, disempower the person and really make them feel like, all right, well, in order to become a successful chassid or in order to be able to, you know, have a seat at the table whether you're a balchuva or whether you know you you feel a need to kind of fall in line uh, in the community or whatever the case is, is I have to be, I have to consider myself nothing and I have to be in the background as much as humanly possible, whether it's in the community sense or whether it's in my personal life, and and we t- we've talked about this before, but I think this is something we need to to maybe spell out in more detail. That those ideas, in particular of Kabbalah, Saul, and Bittal, are very different than, you know, putting yourself aside to the point where you then don't exist in the world. And and I think I, I want to hear your take about this, because this is something that I, I find is is very, very much discussed as a as an important foundation within Chabad and then is left to your own devices to figure out how to actually apply it. First of all, it's not left to your own devices. You're pumped, and at least in my times, you were pumped and pumped and pumped to be battle. You have no voice at any table. But 
Of course, the guys pushing that have strong, loud voices in public. Which is a whole other <laughs> discussion because I think there's a little bit of a dichotomy of uh, how should we say manipulation. But I think if we want to contextualize it for something important, this is let's, tonight when we're doing this. It's 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 base er riba. Is that power or is that bitter to go to Riba? It's definitely power, but we could put that on the list, by the way, because it's a very discussed idea with not very many practical applications of what to do as a takeaway. I'm saying how it's for brain about. I'm not saying what was said in the Sikhas. Well, you know what? I think that's this idea of practical, which is we talk about that a lot here and we're struggling with it, I think. And that's where we left off with the argument last week. I think that there's something really fundamental that goes back to Koyach Nisan. And I, for myself, it took a long time for me to embrace this. And that is what the Rebbe said, that stop relying on me and doing things because of me. What does that really mean? And the the practicality of something that you learn in Hasidus is up to me. It's not up to, in a sense, to the Rebbe. It's not up to my friends. It's not up to my Mashpia. I could get guidance, but you've got to put your pen to the paper and figure out who you are, where you're holding, where you want to go. And I'm sorry, there seems to be, when it comes to, and you know what? I think people are voting with their feet. So you have some people that are shluchim now, 20-year-old people going out on shlichus. I've noticed that most of them have relatives of the same name in that town, but that's a different discussion. And then you have the 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 aggrandizement of all of the business people in Crown Heights and all of the different groups that are creating business um, coffee clutches and learning how to and and learning how to make lots of money. Why is that happening? So I don't I don't think it's wrong, but why is it happening? People are tired of not being empowered, but at the same time they're struggling with the idea. They're make, sorry, they're making a mistake. The empowerment. It's up to you. The, I think the leadership, what was that thing? You know, I was going to say, the think the leadership is scared of people being in power, empowered. What did Rabbi Sachs Shalom say? Very famous quote, the Rebbe didn't make followers, he made leaders. The Rebbe wasn't, follow, wasn't afraid of leaders. And I think it's time for us as Hasidim to know that each one of us in his own life, is a leader. And get your nose out of everybody else's affairs and just live your, brace your life and go f- far and strong. And yes, you're going to help your friend. I agree completely. But now spell out how you do that and balance or integrate the concepts of Kabbalah Soul and Bittal in particular that allow you to have both of those things and, again, still sit at the table and consider yourself a chassid. I'm not going to get into the definition of chassid and consider yourself a chassid or not. I mean, we've spoken about this before, and, and, and obviously if a person puts on a black hat and a kapata, he thinks he's a chassid. 
And for some people, that's what it is. And if he takes it off, he's not a chassid. (laughs) But I think we have to tweak the definition of Kabbalah's ill. And it's very simple, actually, Alpinigla. If you look at the Mishnah, it says, Mekabal Malchusa, and Spartan Chassidus a lot, Mekabal Malchusa first, Mekabal my kingship, and then Mekabal accept my mitzvahs. The average person I found, especially as they're younger, have no concept of what does it mean accepting Malchusa without mitzvahs. What does that mean? I mean, obviously, he's king. I'm going, to, I'm going to put on tefillin. Isn't that the same as Malchusai? And guess what? It ain't. So Malchus, the, the idea of Kabbalah's oil is king. It's, I think, in a very in, in, in more kind of secular fashion. Do I want God in my life or not? Am I looking for God or not? And that's a tough question because some people aren't. And they don't even know what it means. And if they really want to find out what it means, they can. So am I looking to be able to find God? Um, there's obviously benefits to that and so forth, but I think that's what it comes down to. Kabbalah's own means, do I want to live not a godly life, meaning I'll keep Shabbos. That should be a Dever Pashat for most people, especially our audience. But do I want God in that Shabbos or not? Or do I just want the Lachaims and the sushi and the cholent and the friendship and so on and so forth, which is great. But do I want God? There's no Kabbalah soul there. If it's just friends and sushi. Okay, I have a lot to respond to that. But now now, now we'll go into the idea of Bittal also. Because again, I think that's probably even more of a potential, in people's mind, as a potential stereo to that empowerment you were discussing. I think that bittel goes together with what I just said, and I'll explain what I mean. If you want, if you have an objective, and it's a long-term objective, you want to build a company and you want to make a $50 million a year company, you're going to be pretty battled to that project. It's going to consume you. You're going to be thinking about it. You're going to get up in the morning. You're going to think about it. And you're going to have a hard time not thinking about it while you're davening. You're battled to it. I'll tell you what battle means. Battle means is the med student who is learning 15 hours a day, every day of the week, including Friday night and Saturday night. We're talking about anyone who's not Jewish now, of course. And his friends are partying. He has bittle in, in the sense where he's not partying. But the, the emphasis is not, I'm not partying. The emphasis is, I'm embracing becoming a doctor. And I think that we're so afraid of the, and, and this is a carryover from Russia and, and just life in general in America. We're so afraid of assimilation that we don't want to, we don't want to talk about bittle on a higher level. Because we have to protect ourselves from any... That's why. That, that's where the question comes from. How could you say that you should ask yourself if you want to be from every day? They're afraid that the average person would say, I don't. Well, listen, bud. If that's what you think the average person's holding, then you better do something to fix it. I think there's another dimension of it, which I think is very interesting, which is the fact that this idea of, <laughs> of being bittle... And then having the empowerment through the bittal is is actually a danger to an institution. Meaning the idea of an institution is that 
if you do anything to go against the institution, you're afraid of the entire institution crumbling and falling. And so if there are people in Chinuch, if there are people in who are Mishpiyam, there are people who are teaching classes, if they're afraid that you're going to leave and you're going to give them that actual choice to leave. Now, I'm not talking about Cheder and I'm not even potentially talking about Masifta or Zal or whatever the case is, but if you're giving them that option to leave and then 90% of them are going to throw off X, Y, and Z and actually leave as a result of it, you're going to do whatever you can in order to preserve it. And there's an inherent fear that if you give someone give someone too much power, they're going to take the wrong path, so to speak, in MS, and therefore it's not worth actually giving them the option to do so. I didn't get that last thing. Meaning, when you set a structure for a hater or for a masifta, you structure your day. You don't tell the bucker. You know, let's learn whatever you want the whole day. Why? Because the bacher, okay, <laughs> by no. nature, is going to just do whatever he wants, and it's going to be Nefesh Bahamas. It's not going to be at Nefesh El-Kis. And so, therefore, you say, okay, you have to do this, because this is the structure of the yeshiva. This is what you need to learn. And you understand that by learning and pounding that guy day in, day out with, you know, the the shitas, with the, the Hasidish, uh, you know, environment, et cetera, et cetera, they're eventually going to come to recognize that this is the reality that of what they actually want to do with them with their lives. The problem is, is can you do that for the forty-year-old? Meaning, is is it the same idea of what you should be pushing for the forty-year-old of expectation of trying to keep them in the system or in the institution? Or are you now going to actually empower them to be able to make the decision of do I really want to be from? And I think that's the distinction that we have to make. So now let's talk about, I don't like talking about like two, I feel like I'm a professor at Columbia University talking about the pygmies somewhere on the other half of the world and we're going to analyze them and we have nothing to do with any of this. I'm not here to critique and to analyze anything, which is against my nature, by the way, but we're into Lechachila Riba. What's the last time, whenever it was, that you asked yourself, do I really want to be from, what did you answer to yourself? I do. I do want to be from. And when I did ask myself the question, you know, what it does is when I have the hesitancy or I feel resistance to the question, then that's where I'm able to actually see the areas of my life where I don't feel empowered. And I was able to actually use that as a tool to be able to actually say, you know what, this is where I need to be working on. And I need to use the powers and the tools that I have at my disposal to be able to start actually addressing those areas and see where the source of that is coming from that I feel a hesitancy in saying I want to be from an you know, X, Y, and Z area. And what I think now comes back to our, <laughs> our disagreement that we ended off last time and what I believe is really a key point of this is you know the fact that you have to know what actually is the reality. And what I mean by that is a person, we believe or we know or we see that a person actually wants to be from because he has a neshama and he's not going to be satisfied 
unless he's doing Torah and mitzvahs b'shlemus in every aspect of his life. That's the only person that you're talking about, like a Lippitz. But your friend on Shabbos is worried about the guy who Taka doesn't know that that's reality and his real reality. Let's face it. Let's talk about Gullus. It's easy. It's more generalized. Mashiach or Gullus, and the average person is going to say we're, in Mash- we're totally in Gullus because that's reality. And if you're going to say we're in Mashiach, they're going to say you're a nutcase. Same thing, or you're fooling yourself. Same thing with Nefesh, what you keep calling Nefesh Elokis. Only the Baal say Nefesh Elokis and Nefesh Bahamas, by the way. So too with, you have this godly, this spark of yours that you have, this higher self, and you have your lower self. And you know what? My lower self is reality. You're saying what, something right now which totally contradicts what you said before. I know. I'm saying to you this, what do you, because this is what we're talking about last time. I'm talking to the person out there and my, by, by the way, let's, let's stop for a second. The question that this individual asked on that Shabbos to you, when I zone out and I don't do what I'm supposed to do or I do what I'm not supposed to do, even though I keep Shabbos, even though I'm eating kosher, blah, 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 etc., etc., at that moment, in that arena, I chose to be fry. It's not, a, it's not an all or nothing, right? So we're not suggesting that because you're going to look at, do you daven in the morning? Do you really believe God is listening to you? And do you want to feel it that he's listening to you? And if the answer is no, I'm bouncing out of here. I don't think the average guy is holding quite there. There are people like that, and they're going to bounce anyways. So, I'm talking about the person whose reality, I'm talking about real reality, not talking about philosophy or the way, even, you know, we didn't say anything before. You have to learn Hasidus if you're going to do all this kind of stuff. That's my whole point, is that what I was saying that I felt like you were disagreeing with, which is the fact that you need to have a context by which to have the platform of being able to go and decide what needs to be done. And and you were saying, no, no, just heal the human. Just deal with it on a human level. No, you need to know that you have the Nefesh keys. Even if I do sound like a Balchuva, if that's the reality, which, again, the people who are listening to us is saying, okay, I know that's a reality, but I don't feel that that's my reality. But you still have to know that everything needs to be contextualized with that foundation. Well, I'm saying that that the Rebbe spoke about is not contextualized. It's smack in your face. So, yes, the average guy, when he does, listen, listen the person has, a Lubavitcher has fakus, a Lubavitcher who has doubts, and a Lubavitcher who's not so sure he wants to be from, I can guarantee you he's not learning Hasidus. I can guarantee he's not learning the Rebbe's Hasidus. I would go even further to say he never did. Okay, you can't say never, ever. I mean, come on, never. I mean, you want to say with your other stuff about the trauma, this and that and that. Okay, you may be. But he feels so conflicted. There are lots of people who feel that way. So that's why they don't learn Hasidus, because it makes them feel conflicted. But you got to take stock of yourself, and you got to step up the plate and say, what kind of life am I living here? Now, I'm not suggesting, so go fry out. I'm suggesting, look at the other side of the picture. And also recognize, I mean, again, you, you, you shoot it away a moment ago, 
But what I meant by they never learned Hasidus doesn't mean that they never looked at a mimer and heard words of Hasidus being taught to them in yeshiva. I know that's what you know I meant, but I think it needs to be clarified. Knowing the idea or the philosophy, as you like to put it, of Mamali Kolamim and Soiviv Kolamim doesn't mean you learned Hasidus. It means you heard ideas that are in the context of Hasidus, but that's not the same thing. And if you don't actually say to yourself, like, well, I'm totally dissatisfied in whatever area. And again, I could say it for myself in, in, in other things where it's like, okay, I need to step up my game. I need to be honest and say that I need to step up my game in these areas because I am not seeing the results that I want to see out of my life in those particular areas. So if you want if you want nachas from your kids and you're not seeing nachas from your kids, you can't control your kids, but you could control your reaction. You could control what you do with them. You could control other things. You could take responsibility to a certain degree. I'm saying of all ages. And it's the same idea with your own personal connection and feeling to the things that you're preaching and, and living with. If you're sending your kids to a Chabad hater, then you obviously want your kids to have that also. Not necessarily, by the way. <laughs> um, no, there's a lot of people live their life based on peer pressure and norm. And what, I, and what I'm really addressing is you have the Koyach to remain not only a Chabadnik, but to remain a chassid, and not only a chassid, but you have the ability to be more powerful ever in your life if you're willing to be honest with yourself and deal with it. I'm not suggesting, oh, I really don't like Shabbos, so therefore get out of Shabbos. What about being a mensch and saying, I am not living my Shabbos on the level that it could be lived on, so therefore I'm going to up my game. Otherwise, I'm gonna. I'm making a choice, and I'm being fried on Shabbos. That's what I'm really saying. Now, tell me what it means to up your game. Let's break it down. You always want me to break it down, Ruben. Break down how we could up our game to feel connected on Shabbos and not be frustrated that we can't look at the news. I don't know whatever your taiva is to to do on Shabbos or to eat kosher. Oh, I can't eat X, Y, and Z, so I'm going to have to settle for just the meat platter and the you know, and the sushi. What I learned is you go, the first step is go to, could you imagine, and I mean that literally, the best feeling that you could have on Shabbos that would be spiritual feeling, even if it's just nothing to do with me, but I met once met somebody who was really into Shabbos and I was jealous of him, let's say. So, um, I would love to be able, let's say we'll say it like this, I would love to be able to go to that half an hour Hasidic shir, Hasidic shir before davening. But I haven't done that in 10 years. <laughs> Why would that be an achievement? What is enchanting to go to Hasidic shir emotionally for you if you've never been there? What is your script in your mind that's going to script your heart that going, if I did it, I would feel so good? Forget about whether the guy giving the shear is good. Forget about that I showed up. I'm talking about what is your biggest fantasy about learning Hasidus that you can imagine 
you would have if you actually showed up on Shabbos morning. And from there, identify, specifically, just to make my point, the feeling, the change of how I would feel. And when I say feel, I'm not talking about love or hate. I'm talking about what, just like you walk into a beautiful, the Gemara says, you know, that a beautiful home and beautiful kalim expand the mind, expands the consciousness. So what would Shabbos do for me? What kind of consciousness would I have? Do you think the average person could think about that? It's pretty tough. It's pretty tough, actually. I'm trying to think of an example for myself now, but that's a that's a pretty tall order in general. But uh, okay, let's change it. I come home Shabbos morning. I mean, after after davening, my kids are wild in the. Ex- I shouldn't say in this. My kids. We have to be politically correct. My kids <laughs> are wild New Yorkers. My wife has been dealing with them for three hours while I was in shul saying l'chaim to all my friends. So she's ticked off when she comes home from when I come home, and I am too tired to take care of the kids or I don't want to, or I don't have patience. Is that the kind of Shabbos I want to have? It's now Thursday evening. Is that the kind of Shabbos that I want to have? Do I enjoy that? Does that make me feel empowered? Does it make me feel I'm being the best that I could be? No. Okay, so what do I do okay. about that now? So the first step, Now, going back to what you said, could I imagine what it would be like if the if the kids were not wild in wild uh, Brooklynites and my wife wasn't completely exhausted from the kids driving her crazy? In my wildest fantasy, yes. <laughs> okay. So you can imagine what it would feel like. Okay. You're now Thursday night. You can be sitting with your l'chaim that you're not going to have on Shabbos, <laughs> right? And what could I do about that? Can I do anything about that? It's no different than, I'm going to compare this. I'm, and I see this, you know that I'm into this kind of stuff. I'm 50 pounds overweight. It's hard for me to walk up the hill to shul. I'm out of breath. It, and it, it kind of bothers me. I know that I could be, I'm losing my, 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 um, my zip. Okay, how would it feel like to not be in that state? Okay, now, then the next question would be, is there nothing I can do about it? Nothing? Now, before you even ask, I don't know what to do about it. Before you ask, what can I do about it? You have to ask yourself, why do I want to do anything about it? You know, I just saw a word from the Valshamta. The Valshamta says, it says, Yiksha Davar Mikem, when something is difficult for you, it says in Dvarim, if something is difficult for you, right? Moshe Rabbeinu says, bring it to me, right? So the Valshamta touches out that when you have a problem, you don't know whether to go left or right. You, it's because of Mikem. It's because you have such an agenda that you can't figure out which, your, which one's going to meet your agenda. So bring it to me. Look at it just as a state of reality of facts that there's this side, there's that side. What should I do? And if you bring it to me, I will send you the answer. 
right? And it's kind of similar to, it's a known thing for those people who are younger and may not know, the Rebbe often would not answer letters that were, was making the le- the Rebbe make your decision. He wanted you to make your decision. I was thinking A, and I was thinking B, and I decided on A. Now, the Rebbe could decide for you to do B, but the bottom line is you went through the process. So, same thing here. Are you willing to look and say, I don't want to live that kind of life? Now, that doesn't mean you have to fry out, because I have news for you. You're going to fry out, you're going to have the same problems with your wife and your kids anyways. So, what can I do to make it better? What can I do myself? Now, what am I going to do to control my, 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 my kids? What am I not doing that's creating this reality in my house? Okay, that's an interesting, uh, that's an interesting step. I feel that when I hear that, though, my my gut reaction, honestly, is that, well, I just don't want to. I don't want to give up the food. I don't want to give up the Lachaims I'm saying with my friends because that's the part of the Shabbos that I enjoy, that I actually, you know, it's the only piece that I feel like I'm actually connecting in Shabbos. Whatever your example is, I'm saying in each one of those things, I could really see the other side. You know, it comes to mind, and, if, and tell me if I'm misquoting it, because I'm not a great quoter. Then it says in the Mishnah of Perkei we're learning now Perkei right? It says, Be mechashev the schar of a mitzvah in, in, in relationship to the hefzid of an avera. Most people think it means a hefzid avera, you're going to get punished. Schar mitzvah is a, it comes from mitzvah. No, think about the oinig of a mitzvah, and the hefzid of having to give up the avera to get that to get that mitzvah that's going to give you the oinig. In other words, that's why I'm saying why. Let's go back to the dieter. You're right. Giving up chocolate cake and giving up, you know, your Danish on Sunday morning at the minion. If you show up, they'll give you Danish. It's like a Pomona thing. <laughs> um, it's tough. Let's call that hefs, let's call that hefsid avera. You're going to lose out if you're not going to eat that that Danish. But the gain is not. I'm not eating food. That's why I'm saying to you, the gain is going to be how. Let's say, for example, the guy decides I am going to feel energetic and not sleepy anymore. And I remember when I used to be energetic. And it felt so cool to be energetic. And now all I'm doing is shuffling. I don't want to shuffle anymore. I want to feel energetic. So now it's energy versus giving up the taste of the Danish. Now, it's true. You always can make that choice and give in to the Danish. But so you'll go, you'll fall and you'll go back and you'll say, is that what I want to continue doing? And it's a process. It's not black and white, but I think that's the flow of things. Do I want, the Rebbe said to us, let's go, but let's kick it back up to the top. The Rebbe said, you can live in Galas and you can live in Geula. So why are you choosing Galas? You think that there's no way to live in Geula? Well, the Rebbe said, said it. You, you walk with that funny coat on every Shabbos. What about taking stock about that and trying to figure out how I could slip into it on an oinig level, not just a Kabbalah's O level where I don't feel anything. Somebody else is living around, down, jumping up and down, and you have the chutzpah to call them mishagoyim. 
You have a bunch of people with yellow flags screaming Yechiyadunenu, and everyone thinks they're not cases. And you know what? They may be not cases. You know, the Rebbe said himself, by the way, that he's Meshuga for Mashiach. But let's say they're totally um, delusionary, but they're dancing. So you know what? I want to see you dancing. You throw out the yellow flag, throw out the Yechiyadunenu, but I want to see you dancing. Are you willing to start? Are you willing to do that? Or you're just willing to fetch that a bunch of people who you don't agree with are dancing around with flags looking like a nutcase. Okay, Put it, putting the politics side uh, aside, um, I'm going to throw another wrench. I know you're telling me that... Uh, <laughs> Wait a second, I usually are the ones throwing a wrench. Have we changed roles or something? You know, I have to tell you that this is actually our 11th podcast. 11, we know, is a pretty significant number in changing things. Um so let's especially we didn't think we were going to get past one. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Um, okay, so let's let's throw in a little wrench that we mentioned in brief previously. Uh, early, I'm sorry that we mentioned in brief earlier in the podcast. Um, now apply that to Litakila Reber. I want to integrate that idea. There seems to be a lot of a power. In this idea of living litatchila riber in all the sechas, every time it's mentioned, the Rebbe Maharash lived lavishly with gold all around him, you know, and obviously with uh, for the purpose of an expanded, you know, mind and heart, like it says, so much so that it actually is even quoted from the Tzemaxetic that he had uh, when he was learning, he had a gold coin uh, next to him for the same uh, for the same reason. I want to live litatchila riber. What does that mean with what you're describing? Because I would love to, you know, <laughs> the truth is, is what I'm really saying is I want a shortcut. What's the shortcut? Is Little Killer a shortcut or what? How would I apply that to what you're describing? You know, I was going to think that I, I don't know the answer, but when you said that, is it a shortcut that kind of opened up a little space in my little brain? If you think it's a shortcut, you're not doing you're held down by all the Hagbalas. And you say, I want a shortcut around the Hagbalas. Right? That's not Chalechat Chila Riba. Chalechat Chila Riba is there are no Hagbalas. And that's what the Rebbe says. He says, a person doing Chalechat Chila Riba makes no Cheshboinus. So how do you make no Cheshboinus? I once, I want, I'll put it on a simple level. I once had a coach tell me that, I, t- I said to the coach that, um, a business coach, that, you know, I see... Like this project comes, like the opportunity for a project. And I go, wow, that would be really cool to do that project. So I'm going to jump in. That's not lechatchila riba. That's being kicked around. Lechatchila riba is, I decide I'm going to do a project, not knowing how or the steps I'm going to take to make it happen. But when I make that decision, I'm going to do that project because I decided within that decision, it's a done deal. It's, there's no way, shape or form. It's not going to get done. Now, how do you get there? Maybe you just have to go to get there, but that's no, you're already, it's a done deal. And you're not just saying, you know, not like my like the, the line that I like to quote all the time. You don't go into the into the garden and say, no weeds, no weeds, no weeds. But you're saying, I'm going to have a garden with no weeds. 
I don't know how I'm going to get rid of them. I'm not going to make a chashbonis if it's possible. I mean, just think about even, talk about weeds. Think about going in Eretz Yisrael 150 years ago. How were they ever going to think they're going to turn it into a, into a blooming desert? If they would have made chashbonis, I'm not saying they were great chosinim, but uh, if they would have made chashbonis, it would never get done. So what it sounds like you're saying is that is that you need to be empowered in order to be able to activate Letatkiller River. Now, that's an interesting idea because what you're saying, or again, correct me if I'm wrong, please, but what I'm hearing you say is when I make a choice coming from my neshama, which again is something that a person has to do a real cheshbon and nefesh in order to be able to know if they're choosing from a place of fear, anxiety, whatever it is, or if they're choosing from a place of, I really want this because my etzim and neshama wants this. Therefore, when I make that decision from that place, I could rely on the idea that Hashem is going to bless it. And therefore, I could go without cheshbonus and do a little chiller reaper. As you like to say, in context, yes. But you know what strikes me? Go to the sikhahs that the Rebbe speaks about L'Chadchila Riba. Does he add in this little thing you added in that the Abish is going to bless me, therefore I know it's going to take place? And I'm going to suggest to you, obviously, listen, nothing is in, in a vacuum and nothing is isolated. Obviously, you believe that. That's not the pshat. Let's, let's call it a mindset. It's a new, like, fancy term we like to use today in uh, Chabad psychology um, <laughs> outlets. If you look at it as a mindset, you want to say, I have that mindset because I know Hashem is going to bless me. Fine. But the Rebbe writes it more of no chashboinus. The power of, yes, it's coming from you. It's the power, the Rebbe says, it's the power of Tver Shabbat Tveris, which is, the, which is the birthday of the Rebbe Marash. And Tver Shabbat Tveris goes up to Kesser. What's Kesser? Kesser is pure Ratzon and the Oinig with Ratzon, if you want to get into the Chassiz part about it. It's, it's a real, authentic desire and Ratzon and decision. We're back to decisions again, as we spoke about. And that's the decision part about being from or not. And that is, I am going to, I want my authenticity to, to merge our two arguments that we, two sides of the argument we had last week. Yes, you must know that the reality is that I am authentically a godly soul. If you don't want to accept that, you know, then I say, um, I don't know, go to Washington Heights or go to Lakewood. But if you're a Lubavitcher, you have to at least accept what it says, that you are a powerful soul. Okay. Do I want to make that my authentic self or not? That's L'Chetchila Riber. If I'm going to look at the mirror, I'm going to know that, hey, gosh, uh, forget about it. Especially if it's 25 years since I've been keeping Shabbos and, I, and I'm still nowhere. But my authentic place is going to come from that real choice of, I want to live the best life possible. I want to live a life like the Rebbe lives. Wow. I hope... Uh... I hope we could do that. I hope we could. We? I hope that I could do that. <laughs> I mean, we as in you and me, not even the listeners, but <laughs> you and I. 
but uh, I I see that I see that as being a clearer path of what the expectation or what what really the outcome is of trying to tap into that true self that you're describing really has the potential to be. And I think that's uh, that's a really good start to the conversation for a lot of these ideas of what Lutachila really means and how it could be applied and what we should really be doing. But Voida, I'm saying, and, and again, it's it's a word that has lost a lot of meaning, but Voida really, like I've said before, is actually taking a legitimate stock on the human side, on the Ruchnias Kedusha side, and actually saying, I want to improve. I really want to step up to the plate and say, I want my life to be different. And in these areas and in these ways, okay, what are the steps that I'm now going to take to get there? Right, and the first step could be, I'm going to go find out how to get there. If you don't know, but you know, it occurs to me, everyone knows this phenomenon. Who's ever lived in Crown Heights or has been in a community where they've had somebody who is a who is a new Balchuva, and all the frum people at the table's jaw drops because they can't understand why this guy thinks the way he does and talks the way he does when they know the truth that five years from now, especially the Balchuvas at the table that have been around since the seventies, they know that he's in for a huge surprise because all of his naivete is going to go out the door, right? So think about that for a second. I'm going to suggest that that Balchuva, you know, wide-eyed, bushy-tailed, naive little specimen sitting at your Shabbos table is your higher side. And you, who are making fun of it, is the guy who's going to say to Zachariah and Shabbos, how dare you say and take the Achrayas that you should make a choice whether or not you're from or not, because I can't even believe I would make that choice. And meanwhile, that little wide-eyed, bushy-tailed, dumb little Balchuva guy who just was from for his, he's like, he's quoting Tanya, and he's, and we all know, ha, 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 we're going to find out, he's going to find out. Eventually he'll calm down, he won't take it seriously. So the, that guy at your table and you, inside making fun of him is you making fun of yourself okay we'll disagree a little bit to end this and i'm totally okay with that i think there's uh what's the disagreement yeah because there's an aspect of naivete that does need to leave and that does need to be matured of course i know you're saying of course but but the way you're saying it is like oh that's that's the true self of making decisions an aspect of it yes but, uh, but let's... wait, wait, wait. The, the follow through needs to be matured. But the guy who's coming at your table at Shabbos and he's all like, like, you're making fun of him inside? He made his choice. He's at your table. You can't figure out why in the friggin' world would that guy give up what he gave up to come to my table on Shabbos and everyone comes up with the same answer. He must have had a really bad life going on because otherwise, why would he come here? You know, right? <laughs> This is you're talking to yourself. Great muscle. I agree. You've been listening to A Street for Brangham, a production of Chabadlife.tv 
and Studio 262.